You're listening to the My Happy Mind Conversations podcast, where we talk all about how you can build your child's resilience, self-esteem, and happiness. I'm your host, Laura Earnshaw, the founder of My Happy Mind, and I am totally dedicated to helping you become the best parent or carer that you can be. We're proudly impacting over half a million children now in our programs in schools, nurseries, and homes. And today, I'm going to be sharing some of those tips with you. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Happy Mind Conversations, where we are going to be talking about a topic that I am just so, so passionate about. And that is why mental health education is so critical, especially right now, and where I see some of the challenges with it. So my happy mind was born as a result of this challenge that I experienced, as you'll have heard, with my own child who was struggling and there was just a total and utter absence of what I deem to be appropriate mental health education in their primary school. So when I talk about mental health education, I'm actually talking about the way in which we work with children from the very youngest of ages to prepare them for their lives, to prepare them for those tough times that they will inevitably face, to prepare them to be resilient in the face of challenge, to prepare them to be able to cope with challenging situations and to prepare them to be able to cope with friendship and relationship issues. I'm not talking about teaching them what depression means or anxiety means. Because whilst that might be important, that doesn't really move a child forward. It doesn't really equip a child with the skills that I believe they need in order to thrive. And in fact, that the science says they need in order to thrive. And so that leads really nicely into this episode, because I want to talk about the three key problems I see in terms of why mental health education in schools just isn't where it should be. And I should put out a health warning right now, which is to say that there are many amazing schools, particularly primary schools, who are doing great work in this space. And if you're a teacher and you're listening and you're in one of these schools, I salute you. Whether that is because you've got the My Happy Mind for Schools program in, obviously I'm biased, but that means I know that you've got a whole school approach to mental health going on, which is amazing. Or if you've got something else that's really working for you, brilliant. Because any school that prioritises and makes the time and space for true mental health education, true emotional resilience education, I'm a huge fan of. And I know that you're out there. But I think and I believe and I know that this isn't unfortunately as mainstream as it needs to be. And so the challenges that I'm going to talk about now are in relation to those schools where they haven't yet cracked this nut right? And we are absolutely so proud of our schools and we've got hundreds of them using our program and of other um, schools who've taken this bull by the horns and have got something in place as well. So this is not aimed at those schools. What I'm talking about here, and I'm I'm saying this because I'll generalise as I go through, is where mental health education isn't systemic. It isn't the culture of a school. And by the way, I don't think that this is necessarily the school's fault. I think it's 
a systemic issue in our society about how we perceive the mental health agenda and how we've chosen to fund it and to deal with it. So the first thing is that as a society and particularly in schools, our focus tends to be on reacting to mental health challenges. What I mean by that is when somebody presents with a mental health issue, whether that's mild anxiety or depression or whatever it might be, whether that's in a school setting or in society in general, we tend to be pretty good at reacting, right? There's processes in place, there's systems in place, there's support in place. We won't talk about the waiting lists for that support because that's a whole other episode, but there is a system and a, and a well-trodden path around what do we do to support when a child is faced with a mental health issue? So that side of things is, is pretty well oiled. What I'm talking about, though, is the fact that there isn't enough proactivity. There isn't enough prevention that's happening in schools so that we don't have as many children getting to the stage where we have to react, right? So that we don't have as many children who are struggling to the point at which they need external intervention from a doctor or a specialist healthcare provider. And this to me is just one of those situations or, or dynamics that seems so obvious, but is also just not happening as much as it should be. And that is that if we know we've got a significant mental health challenge with our young people, which we do, and if we know that our mental health services are overwhelmed, which they are, why on earth are we not spending more money and more time on prevention? so that less children get to the stage where they need those additional services. Because the science and the research and the data is really, really clear. You can prevent mental ill health in children and in adults if you teach them preventative strategies based in science. You can prevent it. And in doing so, in teaching those skills and those strategies that prevent mental ill health, you make the child happier, you make the child more confident, you give them a greater sense of self-esteem, and they are more resilient. There ain't nothing bad about any of those outcomes. Not only are you preventing mental ill health, but you're making them a happier human being in the process. So why wouldn't we do more of this? Well, here's my strategy or my view or my perspective on why. I think the first thing, particularly in schools, is around what gets measured gets done. And schools are under so much pressure to get certain results, to fill in certain paperwork, to work to a certain curriculum, which isn't necessarily the most up-to-date curriculum when you look at what's going on in society. And they have to do those things to stay open effectively. They have to do those things in order to get a good Ofsted score and a good Ofsted score drives lots of other things in that school. So I can understand why schools focus where they do, because what gets measured by, you know, the Department of Education and other folks is what they're going to have to focus on. What's very much linked to that, which I think is another dynamic here, is that teachers and schools are under a significant amount of time pressure. The curriculum and the day is packed and any teacher will tell you it's hard enough getting through what's mandatory and what's statutory that they have to teach, let alone layering on something 
like mental and emotional health education that right now isn't considered mandatory in schools. So whilst they may feel it's super important and whilst teachers might absolutely get and want to be teaching this to their children, they just don't always have the time because of all of these other competing demands on that time. And the third dynamic that I'll mention, which is a really fascinating one, because it's something that we very quickly overcome with our program, is that there is, in some senses, a fear from teachers around teaching some of this stuff. Many of the teachers that I work with tell me after they've been trained in our My Happy Mind system, oh my goodness, I can't wait to teach this. It's so fun and so positive and so interesting. But if I ask them before the session, what are they expecting? they're often quite nervous. They're often quite scared and they're saying, well, I don't really know anything about mental health. How am I going to teach this? So there is absolutely still a taboo or a lack of understanding, I think, in our school communities around how you teach proactive and positive mental health education. The good news is it's not that difficult when you've got a system. It's not that difficult when you know the science and the research as well as I do to be able to put that into a school and make it something that's very easy to teach in not a lot of time and with huge impacts. But I think part of the symptom that we created, particularly in the UK, around the dialogue around mental health is that it's been more focused on the issue than it has on the solution. So yes, it's important to raise the volume on the dialogue around mental health issues. Yes, it's great that so many celebrities have come out and spoken about their own struggles with mental health. What I'm talking about, though, is raising the volume on the conversation around solutions and strategies so that we can be more proactive and not get to the stage of having such a mental health pandemic, which is indeed what we have, at least in the UK. You know, one in 10 children now suffer with a diagnosable mental health issue. That's approximately three children in every classroom have a diagnosable mental health issue. And I'm emphasizing diagnosable because there's probably the same again that have a mental health issue that's undiagnosed. These numbers are staggering and they're only going up. So the time to start investing in mental health education proactively is now. In fact, it was yesterday but we're not doing this enough in schools. We're not seeing enough investment from the government in a proactive mental health strategy in education. We're still very focused on reacting. And whilst that's important and the need for that will, of course, never go away, we've got to up the ante. We've got to start doing more proactive work in this space. Because if we don't, what we're effectively doing is, well, as Einstein would say, the definition of insanity We're repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And that's exactly what we'll do if we don't start investing in proactive and preventative mental health education in schools. And the reason I'm so passionate about the early years and primary schools, which is our predominant focus, is because most mental health issues in adults can be traced back to something that happened during those years it's triggered by something that happened before the age of 12. So if we can invest in children before that age, whilst they're still young, whilst they're still malleable, whilst they can still learn these positive habits, 
then we will prevent mental ill health later in life. And for me, that's just the absolute greatest gift that we can give our children is to help them to be more resilient, help them to have greater self-esteem and help them to be happy. It's why I started on this mission to create my happy mind. And it's why I will continue with the work that I do, because the legacy I want to leave is to affect as many children as I can positively with with this science and with this research. And we're hundreds of thousands of children in, but I ain't stopping yet. So there you have it. They're my views. I'm going to step off my soapbox now about why we get mental health education so wrong and about why it's so important to invest in preventative strategies. Now, if you're listening to this as a school or a nursery or a parent in a school or a nursery and you want to learn more about our nursery and our school programs, you can just let me know via Facebook or via Instagram. You'll find me just by searching at My Happy Mind. And if you're a parent, we, of course, have opportunities for you too. But hopefully that's given you a bit of a lens into my views on the subject and I cannot wait to talk to you again really soon. Take care. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the My Happy Mind Conversations podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review and a comment below and I'll be back next week with more science-backed secrets to building happy and resilient children. Don't forget you can come and follow me at My Happy Mind on Facebook and Instagram. Take care.